Welcome to Biteside. I'm Seamus Byrne, and joining me, as always, is Nick Healy. Nick, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I've just uh, arrived back in my hometown after a quick road trip to Sydney. So uh, I'm somewhere between exhausted and really fired up after the drive. I'm not sure which one I'm going to fall <laughs> you know, down like on. That kind of the nervous energy that kind of floats around after a long drive <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, look, I actually, when I just uh, started this thing off, I might as well just, you know, be transparent with our delightful listeners. Um, I am testing out recording this in a slightly different way. And as I was kind of counting us in, I, I then started counting, then realized, wait, I'm meant to hit certain buttons before I start counting. Um, and then kind of had to start pressing. So, you know, it'll all come out in the end. And if it doesn't, I can always add the little sound effect at the start when I get to the end, when I realize I screwed the whole thing up. So we're all good. <laughs> And that'll be amazing because then people listening to this will have no idea why you even mentioned it because everything sounded completely normal. That's right. It's the theatre of radio. Love it. Um, Look, I had one quick loose end. I don't want to spend too kind of long going over it, but we had a big discussion about like shows getting cancelled last week um, and it's that funny feeling where you go, right, like we get together once a week, we chat for, you know, around half an hour and... It's that kind of weird thing where I think when we have that sort of a conversation, it I didn't want to kind of, you know, I didn't feel like four or five days later there would still be big conversations about shows being cancelled and, and have the right ones been cancelled and which one should be cancelled next and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of wanted to just come back to it for a minute to kind of say that as much as we kind of gave it a fair bit of attention here on the show, I feel like, you know, that's because it it's right in the wheelhouse of the stuff we like to talk about, which is kind exactly. of TV and culture. Um, but it's so important that the wider discussion gets back to being about how do we have solutions for the future? And, and like, I've seen some great comments. I think Briggs was one of the the tweets I saw, which kind of nailed it for me, which was, you know, let's get on with giving, you know, more diverse writers rooms, getting more people uh, commissioned to make TV shows about parts of culture that aren't white, you know, all those kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah, that's the big move forward from here. The two should not be, Separate. If we're going to go about saying, okay, well, those shows were wildly inappropriate, they shouldn't be as easily available as they were. And again, I think we've said it a few times, I'm pretty comfortable with that. That needs to be part of a broader strategy that says now we need diversity in writing rooms, on screen, all throughout the industry. You don't do one without the other. Yeah, but I feel like you know, when we end up with 20 articles about what John Cleese had to say about it. I'm like, I don't care what John Cleese has to say about anything anymore. I want to hear from from new people talking about how we move forward, uh, you know, and a lot less of that, you know, that kind of media thing of going, oh, someone said something controversial, so let's give them more attention rather than highlighting the people that we want to kind of, you know, help us move forward. So, yeah, that was kind of just Look, my one side thought. No, 100%. Cool. Well, anyway, we have kind of slightly new format this week in that we're going to just focus on two kind of main stories and then a couple of little throwaway tips for you lovely listeners to kind of go and look something up and do something um, with your phone or with your computer or with your food <laughs> hole in your face if you if we come up with oh, something. Oh, the food hole. Oh, good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever it might be that we come up with to send you off with a little tip for the week. So um, starting out, though, huge news uh 
in the last week where in the absence of an E3, we got lots of different kind of highlight, um, you know, sessions, uh, digital. I guess a lot of webinars, Nick. There were a lot of webinars yeah, in the games I love, industry last I week. I love a good gaming <laughs> webinar. I really do. And the biggest one was definitely that we got more details than we'd ever had before about the next PlayStation. Are you excited? Yeah, look, yes and no. Ooh, now, okay. a couple of things here. I, I don't want to freak you out, but... It has been, and I was just checking this out, seven years ago you and I were talking about PlayStation 4 back on CNET. <laughs> like it does not feel like seven years. But I actually went and looked up some of the articles and it was actually June 10, 2013, that they first did the design reveal wow. of the PlayStation 4. And we really that was really it was freaking yep. me out just <laughs> a little bit of it. Um, I am excited about a next-generation console. And you know I've talked about that. I've yes. never had the patience for PC gaming. Um, I don't want to do those iterative changes. I want to buy something that then plays games until seven years later. <laughs> yeah. It's time for me to buy a new one. I'm very comfortable with that, very happy with that. Um, I don't like the design. I realise that's not actually very important in the broader scheme of things. I really dislike the PlayStation 5's design. <laughs> Which I find it the colour scheme or just the kind of the architectural styling? It, it's a, I don't think they can be divorced from each other. Everything the PlayStation has been up until now has been smart. PlayStation 1, I know it was that weird grey colour, but that's because we thought every piece of technology had to be at the time. It wasn't until Macs came along and those early iMacs that anyone thought they could be a different colour other than beige. Yeah. But going all the way through... It's just been a smart, well-designed, functional bit of technology that worked somewhere within black, and I really like that. I feel like this thing already looks dated a week after we saw it for the first time. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point because you're right. It's like it's it's going for some, it's shooting for something, and in that process, maybe it's not quite getting there. Certainly, like I'm I'm completely unoffended by the design. Um, Actually, it's a good point that, you know, my wife has deep, deep feelings about the design of all sorts of things, and I'll be fascinated to see if she goes, not in my living room, or if she goes, yeah, sure. But that's also part of it too. Like everything that's under my TV at the moment is a black box, and it sits there looking like a black box in a giant wooden black box that's under a black box. Like it all just kind of works together. And suddenly I'm going to have this blue neon and white monstrosity just jammed in there. (laughs) And I know it can sit sideways, but I just I don't understand the thinking behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen some weird design missteps in our time. Uh, remember Intel's Vive range where the idea was to make uh, a home PC, a home theatre PC. Yeah. There's a term we haven't used for a while. But a home theatre PC looked like a piece of uh, home stereo equipment. Yeah. It was this idea of how do you get a PC in the lounge room where you make it look like it belongs in the lounge room. Clever idea. Ultimately, no one really knew what they were doing with the home theatre PC. All beside the point, it's fine. That all kind of went to the side. This is going to stand out, and I don't think necessarily in a good way. There's something about the design that removes a lot of the smartness of it and a lot of the maturity of it and kind of makes it look like a kid's toy again. Yeah, look, and the one that really caught my eye was actually the scale. I don't know if, like, don't know how accurate it was, but somebody did, like, the five generations of PlayStation all lined up next to each other in a graphic, and 
I hadn't realized that by dimensions, like this thing is is significantly bigger than the PlayStation 3, which was the biggest of all of the ones they'd done oh, so PlayStation far. PlayStation 3 was huge. And of course, it had the whole uh, grill, um, uh, you know, the uh, George Foreman grill styling to it with the kind of curved top. So it was like, <laughs> hang on, curved top, where am I stacking that thing? Or I can't even put my, like, controller on top of it. It's just going to slide off. That was one of those weird parts of that particular design choice. I'm also just not sure about the white, um, especially in that controller. Controller looks great. I'm sure it'll be a fine controller. It seems more iterative on the one we already have as much as anything else. But that white is going to look grubby and it's going to look grubby fast. Yeah. White is not a nice colour for something you use regularly. But, I mean, yeah, the Xbox 360 that pretty much everybody had was white. I mean... No one was really offended sure, by that. Sure, and it was that. grubby it, in I mean, seconds. It got, it, did, it, got, it got grubby. That's very true. <laughs> and the controllers weren't white, or were they? I can't remember. No, they were black controllers. No, no, they? you could get white controllers for Xbox 360, and, and boy, did mm. they get grubby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just, look, I'm fixating on one thing, but when I saw it, there was a bit of an instant, huh, to me. And, look, and I don't think that's the design. I don't think that's what they're hoping for. Yeah. But I, I do feel like there was a big, like there's a big kind of practicality element here in that the the processing power in this thing is apparently like insane. And that kind of then leads to that issue of creating the right kind of heat sink and airflow type situations. And I almost feel like part of what we've ended up with as a design is partly that, you know, okay, we need to find a way to make the way that the air needs to move through this thing look pretty. Um, and so maybe part of the weird kind of, you know, way they've gone with it and that idea of, you know, well, oh, rather than hiding it by making all the kind of sectioning black, which I kind of agree might have just been a more pleasant way to do it, um, yeah, they've gone, oh, well, we'll sort of make a we'll make a feature of the fact that it needs these big sweeping curves so that we can hide all these big vents that are going to let the kind of air keep flowing through this thing as efficiently as possible. Look, you might be right. Um, and when I see it in person, I might go, oh, that actually looks much nicer. But look, design, one element of what we want to talk about, has not impressed me. You mentioned the processing power. I'm not going to get into all the numbers the yeah. way we used to do and get all excited about them, but it does look great. It looks really, really powerful. And I think, I'm still waiting to see if this is absolutely confirmed, but it's going to be solid state memory as well, which is going to be amazing. Yep, that is, that's 100%. I did see that it has like... It is 100%? Yeah, Excellent. so it has a built-in, uh, I think it's coming with like an... 800 and something gig SSD and it will have a an expansion SSD slot so that non-proprietary like a, a user can just buy themselves an extra SSD to install into it which is pretty cool that is huge and and that's going to make such a big difference to that speed I look again numbers they don't really mean anything it's what you look at at the end of it I think this is going to be really tight and I'm really really keen for it I will say, I did you- see. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You go. Oh, yeah. So, look, I was just going to say one thing I did kind of hear, which is actually a really important complaint that somebody had, which is the PlayStation Network has kind of been notorious here in Australia for the fact that, you know, like any other console, any other, you know, download experience you might have, 
um, runs at you know close to your full throttle of available speed, especially if you've got MBN. Um, but that people have still had struggles with PlayStation Network downloading things at a very high speed. So um, yeah, someone just kind of saying they really need to pay attention to improving the way their whole you know network infrastructure is operating, especially given that one of the two options we're getting is a digital only console as well. Yes, they absolutely have to do that and they have to overhaul their interface. That bloody navigation <laughs> ribbon has, which has been a hallmark for so long is utterly infuriating. It is time for it to go. There needs to be a new interface. I'm not sure I can think of a really good interface that I'd like it to be like. I'm just, you know what? I think as I get older, I get more and more horrified by interface design choices. Like anytime I'm being asked to, to type on a screen on a, say, a streaming media app and for no apparent re- reason the keyboard's in alphabetical order as opposed to in a QWERTY keyboard order, yeah. I lose my mind. I'm just like, who would find that convenient? <laughs> who would find that helpful? Who? I mean, you know, we don't even want to get mired down into Foxtel, but the fact that you on Foxtel without six clicks at the absolute minimum to get to something, even if you've already been halfway through the bloody thing you want to watch... PlayStation has a great opportunity to completely overhaul the interface, and I'm really hoping that they do. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't. I think there might have been a few things I haven't seen it either, so I'm I'm not sure. But totally agree that I think they need a much more um, like yeah. I just don't have to go fishing for things. Like there is so much real estate on that home screen. Don't just give me the oh. one skinny oh. bar of information. Oh. Um, what do you think about the games that were shown off? So, um, I, I mean, it's funny, right? It was such a PlayStation announcement event when you literally are like, uh, <laughs> Ratchet and Clank, Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wish I had uh-huh, a bingo uh-huh, card. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, the two things that I'm very excited about, which are like totally just random things. Well, one, um, like Stray with the cat with the ba- detective cat with a backpack looks amazing. I'm like, at least I'm all that's in. gonna be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Deathloop was the one where it's I think Ubisoft. Um, they showed it off last year. Um, it hadn't been named as some kind of an exclusive, but it's gonna be a PlayStation exclusive. Um, but it's like this stylish, like 1970s black exploitation style kind of coloring with. Um, uh, but it's like this idea that somehow every time, like you go through these cycles where, well, I mean, literally called death loop because there's like a loop to dying in this, uh, in the way the game works. And it just seems like that kind of the styling of it. I'm just always a sucker for games that have gone, we've got a really clear style for what we're trying to present here and um, giving it just a really cool flavor. Um, they're the two things that I'm I'm pretty hot for. How about you? I saw a description of um, Deathloop as looking like uh, Dishonored directed by Quentin Tarantino and I really (laughs) quite appreciate that. Yes. Good. (laughs) Look, Horizon Zero Dawn I thought was a flawed but great game and as much as anything I just enjoyed the world building that they gave it. So I am really excited for a sequel, Um, like really excited. So what are they calling it? Horizon Forbidden West. I think that's going to be Great. Um, and, yes, as someone who's been replaying PlayStation, uh, PlayStation, Spider-Man recently, I'm really keen for another Spider-Man. Um, and I know there's been a bit of confusion about whether this is an expansion or a standalone game. They've said it's both. I think it is now 
going to be a standalone game, not just an expansion. Yeah, right. They might change that again. But, yes, Miles Morales, hell yeah, really into the idea of that. Um, I just, none of them, they all looked good, but there was nothing like an absolute exclusive. There was no The Last of Us, that level of game yeah. for a next generation. And that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I, I like. I feel like the way that both PlayStation and Xbox are talking about this at the moment, that I'm getting this sense that they're both embra- like embracing. Maybe that's not the perfect word for it, but like they're both really trying to emphasize the idea that your transition from current to next generation is going to be as smooth as possible because like PlayStation 4 was terrible for backwards compatibility <laughs> to PlayStation 3. Um, and, you know, an Xbox kind of was a slow progression, whereas both of them are, both, are trying to sell you on the idea that not only are they going to have a really good backward compatibility at launch, but actually they're both kind of selling the virtue that, the experience of a current generation game on the next console actually might be even better because they're directly integrating it in. Because remember the old thing with like PlayStation 3 was like they basically just put the chip from the PlayStation 2 in the first generation PlayStation 3. So it would just kind of go, oh, okay, yep, I can see you put that disc in. I'm, I'm essentially going to pretend just it's going to PlayStation play it. 2. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, whereas now they've gone, you know what, like we're building it in properly. And, I mean, for Xbox, it's like it's a PC inside the box. It's basically going, yeah, look, we've gotten good at how we write the code now. It's just going to treat it like a PC game. Um, but they're saying like double the frame rates, all these kinds of selling points for the idea that, maybe neither of them are hanging their hat on having like this perfect system seller to really kick things off um, by Christmas. And it might be that feeling as well of with all of the issues uh, of this year that any kind of a launch title, um, you know, to go alongside it could be the kind of stuff that is actually getting delayed out of game studios. And so Mm. it's hard to really sort of hang their hat on anything. And so instead it's like, this is going to be a smooth transition. And even with PlayStation talking about cross-gen play as an idea so that, you know, it's like if you buy a PlayStation 5, you'll still be able to play that game that you love playing right now with your friends who are playing it on PlayStation 4. That's kind of an interesting thing to not make you feel like you're abandoning even those kinds of community groups to, to play stuff. That is actually really interesting. And, look, I think we're going to see a lot more of that rolled out. We've got plenty of time ahead of it. Um, I'm really keen to see where all that flows out. Pricing, what do you think it's going to cost? Oh, it's a really good question. I'm Okay, I'm going to ma- I'll have my stab at in Australian dollars, in current dollar redos, I'm thinking it's going to be 849 that's my guess. That's quite a bit. So definitely PlayStation 4 launched at 549. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I think, I did this a bit earlier, that's about 610 in today's dollars. Yeah. But then like PlayStation 3, I think, launched at basically 999 pretty much. It was for the 60 gig. I'm just looking at that now. So when was that? 2008, yeah? Something like that, yeah. That would be, in today's money, according to the RBA uh, inflation calculator, thank you so much, RBA, for doing this, <laughs> yes. that's 1200 bucks. Yeah. That's and a lot. I just kind of I feel like um, 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know. My memory might even be that, you know, that when the PlayStation 4 launched, that might have been around that time when the Aussie dollar was doing really nicely t- too. So huh. it's like, but I'm totally having a stab at that one. But remember, we had a really big phase there. We were almost at parity. And, and so we were big winners through <laughs> through some of those kinds of times for tech. Um, but, it was good. But yeah, that's my that's my ballpark i'll have to yeah we'll write that down somewhere we'll check back at the end of the year and see um what's your number i think they're going to keep it low i think it's going to be comparable to the playstation 4 because i think they know that this is about getting the console in the house easily and then making your money later on they're not a hardware manufacturer yeah but like here's the other thing is that if there's kind of an expectation i mean they are but you know yeah because of supply chain, that there will be probably shortages at launch. So that might almost be a factor for them to be able to launch at a slightly higher price, knowing that they don't have enough to sell, you know, like that they'll probably sell out either way. And so they can lean a little higher because then some people will wait and then they'll, you know, have sales at the middle of next year or something. <laughs> Maybe. It'll be interesting. But yeah. I'm going to say... No more than 600. Um, at most, 649, but I think I'll put myself down for 599. Yep. Oh, yeah, nice. All right. Well, look, I'll be more than happy if you're right, Nick. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm very, very wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put my foot in that one. I can tell, but go on. <laughs> All right. I have a super, super weird story for you, Nick. This is... <sighs> And, like, I it genuinely, when I saw this yesterday, I was like, this is a weird year. I know it's a weird year, but I still feel like this is going to be the weirdest technology story that we see in 2020. <laughs> Even this with an election this and an American election. <laughs> this has absolutely blown my mind. Yeah. So, six very senior eBay executives have been charged with leading... <laughs> A cyberstalking campaign against a newsletter editor and publisher who does a newsletter about e-commerce and issues in the e-commerce industry and, you know, it was very negative about eBay. And what's just nuts is we're talking about, like, former senior director of safety and security, uh, a former director of global resiliency, whatever that means, um, but even when, you know, this whole thing as part of the washing out that when the CEO of eBay left late last year, it turns out they kind of knew about some of this stuff. They're not directly implicated, but they knew some stuff might have been happening. Um, but basically what happened is they, this cyberstalking campaign, the one that is just completely nuts is literally they like started sending really gross, disgusting things to this person, uh, one, a bloody pig mask, uh, like Halloween uh-huh. mask. Uh, it had uh, what did it have? Oh, they uh, like a box of live cockroaches. Um, wait, I'm going to pull up the because I, I think the best version uh, of the story uh, is actually the U.S. Attorney's Office <laughs> description. The one that the one that took this beyond for me and into genuinely quite terrifying. Uh, a book on how to survive the loss of your spouse. Yeah, sent to someone who was married, who's Partner was very much still alive. Yep, and like, uh, a pr- and even a preserved fetal pig, like, and a funeral wreath, like all this kind of. And they sent pornography addressed oh. to the newsletter publisher, but they sent it to their neighbors' homes. 
Like, this is I, I really. Forgot, I forgot that. It's just they vicious. even tagged their house on a swingers website <gasps> as somewhere open for swinging parties. Oh my God. I know I missed that bit. Oh my God. Like, this is so vicious. Um, yeah. They then said then as part of a second phase of the campaign, and this is where they were somehow like being this malicious and then said they had a phase where they were going to basically try to pretend that they were actually going to help the victims uh, solve this problem um, in order to start to try to make eBay look good by sort of offering to very just helpfully try to investigate and, uh, you know, and find out who is behind these anonymous activities. Um, But then as a third phase, they literally covertly surveilled the victims in their home and community. They like, it says two of them registered for a software development conference in Boston to explain a trip that they made. And then they went to the victim's home intending to break into their garage and install a GPS tracking device on their car. Um, But then the person actually managed to notice that these people were, someone was kind of watching them, and then the police kind of found out that one of these people from eBay had rented the car, Um, and then they started lying to the internal lawyers at eBay, and, like, it is just, I feel like there will end up being a movie about this because it is that crazy. It is insane. and. Ianucci should be directing it because it's that <laughs> bloody weird. What what I don't get is how powerful was this newsletter? We're talking about a newsletter that was run by a husband and wife team, as far as I know, out of their own home. Yeah. How powerful was a newsletter that six executives or two executives and four employees have to bond together to take down the people doing it? Yeah, right. And it's like it's just... <laughs> astoundingly vicious and like here's one of the crazy things as well is that actually the head of safety and security at the time one of the people who is implicated in this uh was like a former law enforcement officer and (laughs) therefore you're like supposedly some kind of a you know like good upstanding citizen um but, oh, my, I mean, you know, we're having all those issues coming uh-huh. to light in everything else yes. going on in society right now. But, boy, oh, boy, this thing is so, so nuts. Um, and, I mean, it's funny, right, because I feel like there's not actually all that much else to say about it. It's just it's an astonishing story. You kind of have to go and read the links. I'll absolutely make sure they're in the show notes. Um, but the fact that it is such senior activity, exactly like you said, that – that the idea that somehow someone running an e-commerce newsletter, I mean, I think particularly companies like I know like eBay in general has always been very tricky about, you know, any sort of negativity about its mm-hmm. service and all that kind of jazz. But it's like, boy, oh, boy, is this just something else where to get this vicious and then somehow think you can kind of flip it for some good PR by offering to help them out and then you just kind of get caught and just start digging more holes now trying to get yourselves out of out of the trouble but of course all of these people had actually already been exited from the company i think like when it was all first i think found out like these people were kicked out and then cuz i noticed it's all like former former uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but the fact that even you know in in a statement from eBay when they sort of said that you know that uh, 
Devin Wenig, uh, who was the company CEO at the time of the incident, um, they basically point out that you know that uh, Mr. Wenig had uh, had some inappropriate communications, but there was no evidence that he knew in advance about or authorized the actions that were later directed toward the blogger and her husband. Um, sure. Oh my God, this thing is just—it's just wild for such a big company so- to get so petty. A couple of things that stood out for me on this is that the two director level people, so that's um, former senior director of safety and security and former director of global resiliency, what they're charged with could see them get five years in prison. Yeah. It won't, but that is what it can handle. Five years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of up to quarter of a million bucks. So this is a serious thing. The other one that had me just laughing a little bit, sadly, and I know there's not a lot genuinely funny here, but the pig mask you mentioned, which I've seen a photo of, it's, you know, Halloween, quite a bit terrifying, a little bit somewhere between Saw and Manhunt. Yep. They sent it via Amazon rather than eBay. So eBay yes. were harassing people using Amazon.com. Yes. Yeah. It's like let's uh, try to, uh, you know, be as hands-off as possible. Uh, we'll uh, order this through Amazon. Oh, man. It's so weird. And like the ages involved. So like so everything from 32, 26, 26, 51. Um, like it was just such a kind of a weird assortment of people. I mean, right, here's that the kind of thing that you get with these situations where you think um it's one thing for like let's say two people, like within a company like this. They decide like oh, let's let's get those people, let's do something horrible. It's another thing when th- that circle expands out to like six separate people and all of them decide to genuinely stick together on this kind of insanity. Um, Like it just makes zero sense. And of course, you know, and thankfully um, the whole thing is kind of washed out the right way, which is them genuinely not just being like, oh, that was a weird case of bullying, but oh no, you will be going to court. You have been arrested. You may well... like. Because of the scale of what's happened here, I really do hope that they, at least, you know, if it turns out a couple of them were the ringleaders and, you know, somehow internally bullied the others to go along with them, who knows, um, <laughs> that it's like some of them should be doing jail time because this is so extreme and the power imbalance is so much in there. You know, like, I mean, right? <laughs> It's that horrible thing in society these days. You're like, um, they could have done perfectly legal things that were really horrible to these people to like tie yes. them up in courts and do yes. all those threats and things that you can do with legal letters. And instead, they went this way. <laughs> it's nuts. so stupid. And look, you know, as you said, six people, but the four of them who are not at director level, you have to wonder how much of this was being given to them as a company direction. Were they, and I know it's a terrible thing, but, you know, were they doing what they were told by their executives? And, I mean, that will really be an interesting part of how this court case plays out. Because, of course, you're like, even if they weren't, you sort of feel like that's an interesting card for them to play uh, as the court case progresses in order to, you know, try to desperately wash their hands of just having come up with a completely crazy scheme all all on their own in the lunchroom. <laughs> so bizarre. Look, we, again, this is one of those things that we 100% have not heard the end of. Oh, no, no. Yeah, this is going to be a really, really interesting one um, over the next few months for sure. 
But yes, let's get down to our little uh, fun tips for the week. Um, Nick. So the idea here is just thinking of like a product or an app or something that we encourage people to go and check out and play with, whether it's new or whether it's old, it doesn't matter, um, but something that we've found interesting lately. What have you been thinking about? So this one's completely out there and probably just because I did do the five-hour drive this morning, I don't listen to a lot of audio books. Um, I mean, if I'm listening, it's usually a podcast or I'm reading a book, but I actually look like audio books when I'm driving. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, re- I don't listen to them enough to want to keep an Audible subscription going. Audible being great, it's just a bit too much per month. Yeah. And what I've found is that if I just wait after disactivating my account um, or pausing my account, at some point, Audible will contact me and say, here's a deal. Why don't you come back and it's only five bucks a month for three months? And I'll do that and just load up on audiobooks as I need them and then cancel my account again. And it all still stays there. And next time they give me a great deal to tempt me back, I'll come back for a month or two. And it's fantastic. And it's just one of those little ways. It's not dissimilar to what you were doing, pausing your streaming media as you're not using it. It's just something that I found really, really effective as a way of getting a great deal on some of those audiobooks. That's a a clever scheme. And I'm I'm probably going to have to try that because I've actually, I just recently got the email alert that told me that I had uh, six credits queued up and- And if I didn't use them, I was going to start losing them, which I think is an awful system. That really should not That's not okay. At all. You're paying for that. Exactly. No. Um, but uh, at the time I got it, I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot I was still subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've ended up using them uh, all to get the um, Neil Stevenson uh, Baroque Cycle series. Um, because I'm actually like, I've been trying to read it and, um, it's slow going. And I always find the first kind of the first third of anything that I read of Neil Stevenson, I always find it a bit of a slog (laughs) to kind of get into that headspace. And then it just zooms along. Like it hits a certain point where you're like, oh, okay, I'm in the zone. This thing is great. Um, but I'm going to try using the the WhisperSync uh, thing because I'm reading it on Kindle and I've never tried out that idea. So it's, you know, if I, you know, I'll go to bed one night, I'll read a few chapters. Um, and then if I start playing the audio book again, it will synchronize where I'm up to in the book to kind of pick up from there. So I've never tried that before, but I thought... That is definitely that kind of a mode where, um, particularly in the next few months, where I'll be able to start going back to Sydney again now and then, um, then I can start having those sort of few hours at a time to just listen to the books and feel like I'm I'm keeping the momentum going uh, in a way that, you know, given that The Broke Cycle is a really, really thick, <laughs> long series of books, um, in the audiobook version, they've split it into um, halves of the actual kind of novels that were released. And I think each audio book is about 30 hours long. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, this is wow. a good long-haul experience. <laughs> and, that, and that'll I'm keep also, you going for a while. I'm, I'm also going to make sure and, and pause my subscription, Nick, and I'll, I'll now follow your trajectory on, on trying to win those uh, cheap credits along the way. <laughs> Please do. Now, what's your tip? Um, Adobe just launched their new Photoshop camera app. So it is totally free. It's available for both iOS and Android. Um, you, I think the main thing is I think they make you sign into an Adobe account as part of switching it on. 
Um, I kind of figure most people have one of those for some reason or other these days. But if you don't, like it's no major thing. It's totally free to have one. Um, and the main thing that they kind of try to encourage you to buy really is just some of the, the Adobe Cloud Storage. But you don't have to. Um, and everything else about it is free though. And the thing is it has really cool filters and things attached to it. And I know like I think people nowadays are more and more into messing around with filters on their phone photos. Um, and so it has lots of interesting live uh, live filter effects and things like that and does some really cool stuff with like replacing the sky in the background of, of photos and things. So like I've seen a couple Ooh. of shots, I haven't tested out the these um, backdrop kind of ideas, but let's say you're like taking a shot of a landscape. You could take a version of this where it then actually kind of puts in like a kind of toy model version of the sky instead of instead of a kind of realistic sky um, and like, and it's able to use detection to kind of just work out, okay, that's the sky. And, you know, you could do a galaxy in the sky instead or different things like that, as well as doing lots of kind of cool selfie effects and stuff. But it's kind of, I think it's a nice new option in that field of all these different filter effect apps that um, looks pretty cool. That is wild. Yeah. I, I might grab that actually now. There you go. I dare um. you. I dare you. <laughs> Awesome. So yes, doing it going, um, yeah, I think that's and like, like I say, it's free, easy done, even cheaper than Audible. Nick, cheaper, it's free. <laughs> Sold. Sold. Awesome. Well, look, let's wrap it up there for today, Nick. You can go and have a proper rest now after your big drive home. Um, but while you're resting, people can still look you up on the internet because that's how the internet works. So where can they find you? <laughs> You can find me on Twitter. It is Dr. Nick. That is at DR underscore Nick or on Facebook, just Nick Healy. Just track me down. And I'm at Seamus, S-E-A-M-U-S. And you can find all our shows via at Byteside on Twitter or at The Byteside at Instagram slash Byteside on Facebook or the easiest place is Byteside.com. Or if you're listening to this right now in a podcast app, you can just search the word Byteside and that should bring up all of the podcasts that are available. Um, And, of course, there's always kind of new and interesting stuff that we're doing. I just reviewed some wireless headphones for gaming. And as part of it, uh, on Jetpack's reviews, I always kind of go down little uh, rabbit holes about kind of issues with how the tech works. And I kind of felt like that wireless headphones for gaming in the living room sometimes feel like they're more trouble than they're worth if it's actually quite hard to find somewhere to sit them down and recharge them on a regular basis. And, you know, if, yes. if if the act of going and charging your headphones becomes more bothersome than the act of just plugging a cable in, then is it really worth it? I mean, I think those headphones are really good. They're the nice kind of rig 700HX headphones, awesome headphones. But, yeah, charging things when it's it's sometimes hard to know if they're really solving the problem that you're hoping they solve. But that's... Just one of those things. You can go and listen to me rant about that for 10 minutes on Jetpacks are overrated. Um, Nick, always great to catch up. Um, people, you can also email us, ask at com. And that's enough rambling from me. We'll catch you again soon.